0: Thank you, listeners, for being with us on this journey of Curiosity Continuum. We are now in our third year. We are excited for what the future holds, and we wanted to celebrate you, the listeners, by looking back at what resonated most with you.
1: Yeah, so we thought maybe periodically we're going to be sprinkling in some encore presentations of certain episodes that everyone really loved.
0: And with that, what we're going to do is kind of riff again on some of these topics, not to uh, re-spin, but to kind of continue that conversation. We want to explore those regions with you all. So, without further ado,
1: here's the Encore presentation.
0: Out with the old, in with the new. For many people, the new ideas and things are better. And yet, we get even more excited when we find something old. An old sweatshirt, photographs, or mementos. Nostalgia is a powerful thing for sure, but because it ties a thing to a feeling, an event, or a person, are we as people as moved when it comes to hearing wisdom and ideas that come from a generation before a couple generations before especially when it's coming from the voice of somebody who has the experience of age think about this as we discuss the ageless wisdom of grandparents today on curiosity continuum
1: thank you for joining us today on curiosity continuum for those of you tuning in for the first time thank you And Curiosity Continuum is a podcast and movement started by two lifelong friends, Brian and myself, who want to share conversations with you that explore, examine, and reframe common practical topics that spark your curiosity, help you integrate information, and enhance your everyday contextual awareness in a constantly changing world.
0: You can find us on www.curiositycontinuum.com. There you can find the links to listen to us on your favorite podcasting platforms and follow us on social media. You can also submit a question directly on the website or comment to the podcast. Josh and I would love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, and on that note too, we want you to also rate our podcast on whatever service that you're listening to. Like us on Facebook if you do like us so you can you know get our information or on our other socials. So yeah, you can actually keep in contact with us that way too.
0: Absolutely. Today's topic is the ageless wisdom of grandparents. And really, when we think about what You know a couple generations older would say to us sometimes especially now in a world that has been so uh, inflected up with certain types of progress by technology we find that uh, we may be in some ways relegating well that was the old world that doesn't apply anymore but really there's a lot of timeless wisdom because of age and life stage that uh, grandparents or people older than us have gained through just the course of life and they absolutely apply today so today what we want to do is just pull some of those things from our own personal experience and hopefully this will kind of spark your own memory to say, what did I learn from somebody older than me? We're
1: going to start with some, I'm going to start with a story anyway. Um, and I know Brian's got a couple stories too. So I had two sets of grandparents, like most people. We all do have two sets of grandparents, but that they live very different lives. I had one set of grandparents that lived out in the country and they owned a lumber mill um, in Northern Michigan. And then I had... The other, the other set of grandparents lived in the same city, but they lived, we would call it in town, you know, lived in the city. So it was very interesting, and they had, they lived very different lives. My grandfather lived out in the woods. He was, he loved working for himself. He very rarely went into town. He always sent my uncle to go get him stuff. And my grandmother bought food once a week. She went on Thursdays. That was her in-town day. And they had plenty of food to last more than a week, mind you. But that was, I think, more of her from getting out so she she didn't go squirrel crazy, 17 miles out of town on a dead-end road.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That matters. It really matters, you know. When I think about uh, my grandparents, I think the two that are coming to mind right now that I'll share a little bit about today. One was my mom's parents. So those were the grandparents that I had the most contact with, especially in my younger years, even though I lived a little bit further away. My grandpa was A farmer, a carpenter, a millwright, and he was always really good at making things work. You know, he was somebody that I believe dropped out of high school in the ninth grade or something like that, and so he was uh, somebody that just started to make his way in the world and, you know, lived through the Depression and all different kinds of things, and he made a good living by a lot of hard work and sort of his brow, and my mom was one of three daughters that uh, helped grandpa on the farm and everything like that. And the other set obviously, my dad had a uh, parents as well. I knew them a little bit less just by uh, you know, life flow and everything like that. Uh, the other grandparents I'm going to drag into this conversation are going to be uh, Sabrina's grandparents. So this is her dad's parents. And they were longtime farmers. They were married 73 years. So when they passed away, they were 95 and 93, and uh, grandma passed three months to the day. To what grandpa did. It's Sometimes those things time out that way. It's kind of interesting always. Um, you know, he was part of the greatest generation and they lived a good, long, rich life. And so those are the two grandparents I'm kind of referencing today a little bit just because uh, of the things that we learned from them and what my wife learned from her grandparents being a constant influence in her life. So the story I want to share with you guys to start is my grandma Johnson. So this is my mom's mom. And so my mom's parents were farmers and uh, my grandpa was a carpenter and a millwright so at, after he stopped farming he kind of went and did other things like construction and stuff was always very uh, very smart at making things work or building things in a quality way that would last the story though about my grandma is something that always embarrassed my mom and it was where she would wash plastic bags now this is the, the generation <laughs> that went through the depression and so you learned like what you really need, what you don't need, and how to make something last again and again. Uh, this was in the age of Ziploc bags, so this is not like, you know, hey, but way back when is like when Ziploc bags came out. My grandma would wash Ziploc bags after they were used. Well, they were expe- and my mom would they're go expensive. Over...
1: I mean, you. Well, they are expensive. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they are. When you think about it. They you know, are. I mean, it really for one use, the you know, time used thing,
0: and you throw it away. Yeah. You know, it's it's a uh, smart business model because you're going to go buy more bags because you're taught <laughs> to a throw bad, it away. <laughs> bad,
1: bad thing for your wallet
0: it is yeah and my grandma knew that and so she would wash plastic bags and my mom was like so embarrassed by it, like why are you washing plastic bags but you know I, I took up the challenge of my grandma because uh when i was in my 20s i started to travel for business and so you needed the quart bag to put all your toiletries in when you could travel and we had uh i'm like i put all my stuff in and then it, it just, I didn't intend to do it, but I kept using the same bag again and again. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to see how long I can make this thing last. And the <laughs> only reason why I threw it away 15 years later, it just started to smell a little bit funky, you know, but after 15 I mean, it, years, you just, after that. 15 years, yeah, it worked, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, long before everybody was conscious about like, you know, uh, what's all this plastic doing? We're just throwing it away and stuff like that. My grandma was doing it, not because. It was the cool thing to do is because you didn't want to spend the money on more plastic bags and, you know, use the family budget that way.
1: Yeah, I think that's a real common theme, especially with people that went through the Depression. Um, my grandparents were pretty much, both sides of my grandparents were pretty much the same way. They maybe not went to that level of uh, frugalness, for example. They did do things that we thought were kind of crazy at the time. I, I remember my grandparents, it wasn't even, they always would fix want to fix something. They would never want to throw anything out. If you could, if you could fix it, they would fix it. My um, mom's dad was really kind of handy. He had a workshop in his basement. He would, he was a really good carpenter and a, a really good, um, just like handyman. And he did all sorts of stuff like that. He always fixed things. And my dad's dad, um, living out in the country, being his, being his own boss, really, he had lots of equipment and implements for um, logging. He had to learn how to fix all that stuff because you couldn't afford. First of all, to shut down for a whole day so that you could, you know, go to town and get a part and then go talk to somebody how to do it or bring your truck in, you know, to get it fixed. So he learned how to do all that stuff. So for me, he really taught me and my dad taught me this too growing up, but I think it was imparted on my dad and then kind of, and I've spent a lot of time with both sets of grandparents. I think it was imparted on me to try to fix things that just because something is old or it's broken doesn't mean it's useless and we should actually look and if maybe even use it for something that it wasn't intended to be used for
0: that's true it, it was the um long before macgyver was on tv people were macgyvering their life <laughs> exactly. I think in general because you had to you have to you, it was a necessity you know, my, when when i was never the guy that really got into like uh building things like with wood or something like that and my mom was and so it was you know watching that role in in, around the house, you know, like my, my mom and dad built their house years ago when I was a little guy and stuff. And so I don't have memory of that, but they did when they first got, you know, in the early days of their marriage and stuff, you know, but my mom was actually more handy than my dad in that way. And my dad learned things like he could change oil, he could fix things. But my mom, because she spent all the time with my grandpa being, again, uh, she was, you know, the youngest of three girls, she learned all of that. And so when people think, well, hey, this is Oh, carpenter's work. Or this is, you know, oh, back in the day, this is man's work. It's like my mom was doing that and running circles around people just because she knew how to, she would, you know, know how to put something together. And a lot of things I learned from that, I actually learned more from my mom because she learned from her parents about how to do all that stuff. The one thing too, that was interesting, Josh, is I remember going in my grandpa's garage where he had all of his tools and I remember seeing saws, you know, like, like power tools and things like that, that I'm going like, how old is that thing? And it right. was- it was heavy. It was, and it was built like a tank and it still ran. It wasn't, didn't have all the settings. It wasn't like, you know, here's my 37 different calibration points for a drill. And this is how I right. do it. It's like, torque it's a drill. Or no torque. It's a drill. Yeah. It works. And it drills a hole. <laughs> it and does it what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And it's never stopped working for the last 50 years. He had a bandsaw where he had to kind of tape the, the, uh, the power cable, and stuff like that. And it, it was a saw and it worked. And that, I always like, why doesn't he get another one? And my mom was like, well, because it still works. Like, why would he need to? And at that age, I didn't quite understand why he wouldn't upgrade. But then I realized, wow, that thing lasted that long. He was familiar with it. He was comfortable with it. And it met the requirement. There wasn't any need to, to you know, kind of reinvent the, the drill because it drilled a hole. And it did exactly what it needed to do.
1: Yeah. And I think like one thing that Brian and I have in common with our grandparents and that we, I think, have taken from both sets of them, and we, you know, in moving on from this, just kind of this little dissertation about who they were, is that they both sets of them and all of them valued hard work, and they valued it yes. in, in doing your best, always putting your best foot forward. Don't you know there aren't very many excuses. If you fail at
0: something, it's okay. Learn from it. Move on. Mm-hmm. The the um, the the quality of the work, especially. Was something too like you took pride in that because they knew that their name was attached to it. It wasn't like, um, oh, hey, this is this is uh, you know Richard Johnson, and this is he's just uh, you know a such and so. Like he really took pride in the work he did, and did it. I remember when he uh, moved closer to where uh, when I think it was in middle school when they moved closer to my mom and I and my dad and stuff, and because my grandpa had built houses and built uh, commercial structures and stuff like that. You know, he actually hired somebody to build his home because he wasn't able to do the work, all the work at that age that he was. And I remember it drove him bananas because he was like, first of all, I mean, he was very uh, opinionated, 100% Swede. So, (laughs) you know, he had a lot of, of, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, wherewithal, I'll put it that way, in his life. But he would look at that and go, like, they're taking a shortcut. And he actually spent time going back and fixing things where people took a shortcut because... Like, for example, I'm thinking about the roof. And he said, if they just put two extra nails, you would never have a shingle blow up. But they were more concerned about the cost of two nails over the course of a roof per sheet of shingle versus actually making the roof stay put. So for them, it was like, I just want to get the job done. My grandpa was more like, why don't you spend a little bit extra time to, to do the job well?
1: And do the job right so you don't have to redo it. Because a lot of that is, too, even true today, if you have to spend half your time redoing someone's work it's going to take you a long time to get any progress on anything.
0: Why do things right when you could do things twice?
1: At, at twice <laughs> the price? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, twice as nice the price. Not really. But um I think the one thing, too, I, I think about my grandparents is uh I was, I saw the example of two people that were committed to one another, even when they weren't always in agreement. You know, there's a lot of things, obviously, that my grandparents disagreed on. My wife's family has the record I think for the the longest in you know my extended family through marriage and things like that married 73 years that's a long commitment and it tells you that they were committed to doing a life together and it has more to do um, you know sometimes it was like it wasn't as socially acceptable if you were a divorced person or whatever you know definitely not as much back then as it is today just because of life circumstances and stuff but the one thing that really made an impact for me is that these two people were committed to something through the highs and the lows, right? That's not something that you can take a victory lap on. It's like, Hey, you've been married five months. Ooh, here we go. You know, this is something like, you know, that outlasted some people's lifespan and they were still there committed and they were very much in my wife's life in anchor to be able to go to their home to know that grandpa and grandma are there and not everybody's blessed with that particular situation. You know, uh, when Sabrina grew up, she had a little bit different family dynamic where, um, her dad's side of the family was where she would go when she visited her dad because her mom and dad were divorced but grandpa and grandma winter were kind of that 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 symbol and consistency in her life to be able to pull from and meant something very dear to her
1: yeah and i think that when you see somebody that's has for example been married that long or has had a friend that's lasted 50 years or more you know that you do realize that it does take work to do that. And that is a that is a good life lesson that I think we can kind of pull into today, to today's society. We're so quick to judge like not only people, but if they have a different opinion than us, we're quick to just be like, "You know what? I'm not going to talk to you anymore." Instead of trying to actually talk to a person, engage the person. And you know that if somebody has been married that long or they've lived that long together, they've they've had different disagreements. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I know that sometimes when like Brian and I get together or even when we're just talking on the phone, we have disagreements, but we both respect each other at the same time, so we can talk about it in a civil way. And yeah. I think that's something that whether you're on the internet typing an angry all caps response to somebody or a snarky comment that maybe maybe we should just kind of like think, you know, how do I really want this to sound? <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. The thing to you know now nowadays, you make a snarky comment online, it will live forever on the internet. You know, it's always there. Right. Uh, so some of those comments, you know, like obviously, uh, people are people all throughout history. So do people have their their moments where they said something they shouldn't have said. Absolutely. You know, it's just not recorded in in the great interwebs of life. Where yeah, <laughs> you can I go say, back. That's and look why I it
1: save up. all my snarky comments for voice to voice communication. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing a, nothing can be recorded. Or, you
0: know. I've secretly been making notes for the last 30 years on you Josh. Just to pull out. Yeah, all right. <laughs> thanks. At the opportune time, you know. At least I will be kept in check. It's that's exactly. for if I
1: ever run for president. That's that's what we're going to you're going to I'm going to find this <laughs> the uh, the Josh report is going to be made it's made gonna available come out, without redaction.
0: <laughs> I will be I, <laughs> I will be releasing that report, you know, at, at, concurrently with his uh, with his platforms. So you read the Josh report. The, the, sorry, it's okay, <laughs> sidetrack the, um, you know, the one thing though, too, if I go back and look at Josh, cause I, I visited your, your, your grandparents' lumber mill when we would, uh, you know, in the summer went up to did a camping trip. So, you know, we'd for, you know, in middle school and we went up and kind of explored things around or that was high school, I think, or something yeah, like that. We, we drove up, up there. there. So that's yep. right. I guess you can't drive middle school unless you've had, you know, <laughs> a long tenure <laughs> throughout. Yeah. <laughs> You know, anyway, we, um, I remember seeing that and seeing how it was established and everything. And I think the thing that has stuck with me, when you look at things like farming or or lumber, you think like, well, Hey, that's like a, you know, a certain type of profession, like computer jobs didn't exist then, but people built for the long term, and they were okay that they had to put blood, sweat and tears and take the risk again and again and again, consistently. That's what farmers do every season. They know, like, if they have a bad season, they're going to keep going through. They don't give up on something just because something went exactly wrong. There's a lot of right. wherewithal they had to have, especially living through uh, the, the economic downturn that they did in, you know, the Depression, you know. So when, when this generation had the, the Great Recession and they saw things happening, you know, for us it was really, you know, for some of us it was like a really bad situation and for the the people who' had lived through it before, they're probably like, "Oh my gosh, I don't want it to be like it was before, but they had that you know they knew how to navigate it if they had to, they knew how to adjust their life accordingly if they needed to kind of make make those hard decisions,
1: yeah, and I think um I think that that's kind of wraps up our conversation pretty well um i want to you know kind of want to challenge people like what kind of wise world, wise words, you know, do you have from your grandparents or from somebody significantly significant in your life when you were younger, that are kind of still big in your ears? How are you applying
0: that now? About people in your life now, it's like you know, are you allowing people who are uh, older than you to speak into your life? That's an important thing. They're going to have a perspective that you don't have, and I find also too, as people get older too, they've also learned in many ways to listen well because they've also know that the further they go along the less that they actually know. They have learned more, but they also understand the world of things they don't know. And so I encourage you to go find a cup of coffee with either a grandparent or somebody else who is in that role and just listen to them well because I think that uh, there's some wisdom that we can apply today. With all that being said, thank you for listening today. And until next time, this is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum. Thank you.